Imagine, the creator of the universe has a purpose for your life. How would you like to seek out this God, ask the hard questions, and grow deeply in Him? Welcome to the Life on Purpose podcast, where together we will explore Him more fully. The Life on Purpose podcast, brought to you by Skyline Church of Christ. Welcome back to the uh, Skyline Church podcast. Uh, this is Shay and Jordan Brown, and we're joined by two of our shepherds, Scott Gatlin and Carl Rudd. And we are in the midst of uh, a found foundational Bible study at our church where we're talking about forgiveness, freedom, transformation, and the Holy Spirit. And so we're diving into forgiveness and freedom uh, in this episode. And so we're glad to have these shepherds here with us. And so we wanted to start out by just asking, what was the, what was the thought behind why our church needed this, and what was the intention behind that from our, our shepherds? How did this all come about? Shay, we've been meeting with many of our new members. Uh, the shepherds meet every Wednesday night. And after one of those meetings, and it was probably in late October, mm-hmm. um, we were just talking about if this family had asked what we believe about this, what would we have said? And if this family had said, what do we believe about this, what would we have said? And the meeting, our elders' meeting, had technically ended, but we were just sitting around and talking and thinking. Mm-hmm. And that led to a conversation of, so what are the things that we really feel strongly about? If somebody asked us, how would we answer the question? Or what are the things that we feel strongly about? Mm-hmm. And that conversation really got a lot of traction with the men in the room. And we started dreaming about how would we get this information to the church? And Eric Petty spoke up and said, so we've got this short quarter, January and February, for our Sunday morning classes, and we could do something there. Mm-hmm. And that's where this that's where this came from. Um, Carl suggested topics, and I think everybody felt comfortable with those, and that's where this idea came from. And we've been praying about it since that time and been preparing, and uh, we hope it's beneficial. So, so Carl, tell us, tell us why the topics that uh, were chosen were chosen. Well, first of all, if, if we had been considering this question 30 years ago, we would have come up with very different answers. Mm-hmm. It at least seems to me that the church at one time was more interested in identifying how they were different from everybody else mm-hmm. than what kind of changes in life uh, the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ ought to make. And uh, when you go through that process, at least to me, and and you look at Galatians where it says you're free, uh, and then it comes back and says, but don't do stupid things with that freedom. (laughs) Uh, There ought to be a level of forgiveness uh, of you feeling forgiven by God, the ability for you to forgive God. Mm -hmm. And in the process of uh, doing that, Uh, you learn to live by the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will teach you to to distinguish between good and evil. And if that happens, then there ought to be a major transformation in your life. So so we looked at those things and we said, "This this is what we believe. This is what we want for ourselves. This is what we want for our children. This is what we want for this congregation. Uh, so that's how the series developed. And definitely uh, spirit-led uh, from this decision. I think that you all agree, and I th- we're excited to hear these two uh, topics because we've we've been in the other two mm-hmm. classes, uh, so we haven't heard y'all's classes yet, but I guess that's coming up this Sunday. But 
Uh, we're ex excited to get a little sneak peek, and for those who haven't uh, heard these classes either, we'll get that sneak peek. But what is something y'all have have learned from this uh, study? Um, we'll go back and forth from each of you, but what's the kind of main thing you've you've gotten from your study and knowledge of forgiveness and freedom? Well, I, I would say that I guess as I got as we got into this, I was surprised how these topics are connected to each other, mm -hmm. but it's almost like it's the same thing uh, that uh, has four different directions uh, that you're coming from, and I think that that probably was a big thing for me. I was struck after we'd been in it for two or three weeks. I was struck by how much each of them are, as Carl said, directly a function of our personal relationship with God mm -hmm. and how my ability to forgive others really depends less on my relationship with that person and a lot more on my relationship with God. And, um, and all four of these, all four of these topics that are being taught by the elders, uh, you could say that about those. I've also, uh, I mean, my topic is forgiveness and I've, I've been blessed by seeing the members in the classes actually wrestle with the notion that as long as I can hand that burden of unforgiveness to God, even if it's not possible to repair a broken relationship or receive an, policy, uh, an apology or something like that, I can still relieve myself of that burden of unforgiveness because it is about him taking the burden, not me putting it on somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Carl mentioned this earlier when he talked about forgiveness, but, and like I said, we haven't had your class yet, so this might be something that you touch on, but is how important is forgiving God, reconciling the things that you feel like he's wronged you with? We, um, to be honest, when I, I wrote that as the second topic in my class material, mm -hmm. and I was very nervous about saying the words, mm -hmm. forgiving God. Yeah. I was very reluctant to say those words. And, and for context, it is when life has dealt what seems like an unfair loss. Mm -hmm. Uh, this last week in, in this upstairs classroom with the 30-something adults, we had three stories of really difficult loss that were told by members in that class. And my approach to it has not been to say, this is the recipe to forgive God when you're angry with God. Mm -hmm. But what I've, what I've done is present five different postures my favorite one is David and his lament psalms in Psalm 13. Mm -hmm. uh, when Now, if we just read that in our Sunday morning Bible class, polite voices, it's, not, it's powerful, but it's not that powerful. But when you read it with extreme sadness or possibly with extreme anger, it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of admit then that you might feel like God got it wrong. Yeah. Mm. And then you have to deal with that. You know, the, the situation with David and the son that he was told he was going to lose, mm. it says that he was fasting, that he was uh, laying on the floor, that he was praying, that he was acting in a way that caused the palace to think that he had lost his mind. And when the baby died, they were shocked that he got up and return to his normal life because he was saying it was over. I've done everything that I could do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's done. It's now time for me to 
to move on and be what God described a man after his own heart. So how do how do we, I mean, what does that mean for us? I mean, going from that state to this getting back up and, and moving on, I mean, what does that say for us? What are your thoughts about that? I think I think we have to remind ourselves that our purpose on this earth is not to be comfortable or even to be blessed. Mm-hmm. Our purpose is to bless the kingdom. And if we are blessed in that process, blessed with comfortable circumstances, that's great. Mm-hmm. But he didn't promise that we would always be treated fairly by other people or that life would always be pleasant. What he promised is that he would walk with us when it was difficult and that when we get to heaven, I'm satisfied that the very second that I get there, I won't remember any of the unpleasant things that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so we we have to fix our eyes on heaven and not get too comfortable, mm-hmm. not get too in love with what we have right now. And and that is not at all to make light of any suffering that people do because there's been some very very difficult seasons of loss for many members of our family. Uh, but when we are in heaven, those are going to feel far less impactful, and the joy that he's promised us will be ours. Jesus actually said, why would you think the world would treat you better than it treated him? Mm-hmm. Well, now that's kind of a, a shocking comparison to lay down to your life. How do we, you're talking about you know, having that suffering relieved uh, in heaven. How, I believe, well, maybe you have a different opinion about this, but can we experience that? here now in the here and now like jesus says i've come that you may have eternal life and know that you may have eternal life and in the midst of suffering in the midst of pain and uh trials can we experience that eternal life lifestyle jesus jesus also said and i come to bring you life and Mm -hmm. life abundantly Mm -hmm. so one of the things that that i like for my class to at least consider is the fact that the things that God has given us, the instructions, the the law, even in the Old Testament, wasn't a difficult God trying to control our lives as much as it was instructions on how to make your life as good as possible. Mm-hmm. And And that becomes pretty apparent when you look at Galatians there and you look at the uh, actions of the body, uh, versus the Holy Spirit. You, you look and you say, okay, now, there's this list of things that it says don't do. And when you look at those and you think, oh, I've done some of those before and none of it turned out very well. And when you look at the fruits of the Spirit and you see, you know, that's everything in life that I'm looking for, then you you begin to wrestle with the idea Maybe all this instruction from God is to improve our lives as opposed to putting us under some kind of uh, restrictions that cause life to be more difficult. I wonder, too, an aspect of eternity that we get to experience here on earth is we get to know God, and knowing God is knowing His character. And God's character is always kind. He has an everlasting kindness, and His character is always good. And even when our circumstances don't tell us that God is good and we are experiencing sadness and anger at God, we can, you know, get to that forgiveness of God by knowing His character and His kindness, even when we can't feel it. That's been something I've heard Carl say in teaching 
uh, several times over the past few years that God is a God of love. Mm -hmm. God will always do what is best for us. He does allow Satan to cause difficulty in seasons of suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm reminded of one of Francis Chan's books. It's the book on the Holy Spirit called The Forgotten God. Mm -hmm. And in one of those chapters, he belabors the limited number of things that God has promised us that the Holy Spirit will deliver. And if we pray for the things that the Holy Spirit has been promised to deliver, we'll never be disappointed. One of those is peace. Yep. One of those is the the words when it's our opportunity to testify. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons I love to encourage people to go pray at Four Corners. Absolutely. He'll, he'll give you the words. But uh, that, that um, to your question, can we experience heaven on earth? I think, yes, if we are calling on God for the things that he's promised, that peace, that joy, the fruits of the Spirit, those are promises. I, I think all these, like we say, they correlate and connect because, I mean, if we're experiencing that freedom, that is what, I mean, that is, you know, experiencing that uh, eternal life on earth. And that's through the Holy Spirit, through our transformed life, because we're forgiven. So, I mean, it all goes back to, it's all tied together. Generally, the definition of heaven is in the presence of God. Yeah. And uh, if the Holy Spirit that spirit which is holy, dare I say the mind of God. If the mind of God lives within you, mm -hmm. uh, I, think that the, I think the scripture is saying, if the Holy Spirit, if the mind of God lives within you, what it will produce in you is, is a love for everybody that's around you. It will create joy in any kind of circumstances that you're in, whether it's good or not. Uh, it will give you peace. It will give you the ability to accept what's going on. It will give you patience with the with other people mm -hmm. and how they differ from you. It will cause you to be good, which is functioning as you should in your life, kind, gentle, faithful. And interestingly enough, it, it, if that's a cumulative kind of thing, that the big payoff at the end is, is self-control. And uh, self-control seems to be something that a lot of us lack. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, when you think of those fruits of the Spirit that you, you just listed, Jordan's not capable of that in, in my own self. But part of that freedom is I'm able to through the Holy Spirit, exit the Jordan realm, you know, and enter into a kingdom perspective through the Holy Spirit. I'm not able to do that without the Holy Spirit. Those those fruits that you listed, I can't do that without the Holy Spirit. I can't get into that kingdom perspective through, without, you know, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through me. The, the blessing of all of that, too, is those are promised to us when we begin our relationship with him. It's not like going into a weight room and we have to develop them. Mm -hmm. They are given to us. And wow. we have to, we just have to let them exist in us. But, but it's not natural. Right. You mm -hmm. know, the, the other part of Galatians there is saying, this is the acts of the flesh. This is what the human part of you would cause you to do. I would even say it is what the animal part of you would cause you to do, that you function uh, without any context of God in the world, then you become 
uh, self-absorbed. Everything is about me. Anything that I disagree with is, is terrible. I'm going to destroy everything that comes in contact with. And Galatians actually starts out with, if, if you don't yield to the Spirit, that you will bite and devour each other. Hmm. Well, now that's a pretty graphic description yeah. of, of a marriage, mm-hmm. uh, of a family, Church. Uh, of a church, yeah. uh, of a workplace. Mm-hmm. You know, are you biting and devouring each other or are you working together to accomplish uh, a good? Mm-hmm. I think that's a powerful um, declaration for our church, you know, and what we want our, the church, but the skyline body to look like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as a whole, as we serve in the spirit. What else do you have for that you want to cover as a main point or things that uh, you want our church family to really gain from the the class about freedom. Well, I would like for people to really kind of consider what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it mean that you are free? Obviously, it doesn't mean that you are that it is without cost uh, because you you have Jesus mm-hmm. uh, sacrifice. Uh, so freedom must mean something different. Uh, and I think that in the context, it's saying you are free from the law. Mm-hmm. Well, historically, we have said, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, I can't rationally believe that Paul, when he wrote everything else, thought that he was writing a new law. So I kind of grew up thinking that the old law was replaced by a new law. Mm-hmm. Pretty inconsistent with everything that, that Paul has written Paul is saying you are free. In Romans, he says you're free from condemnation, mm-hmm. that uh, your relationship with God is secure, but just because it's secure doesn't mean that you ought to use that security to abuse other people mm-hmm. because when you abuse other people, uh, then you begin to violate the fruits of the spirit. The the freedom from guilt, and again, it, it, it's it's uncanny the way these hold hands and tie together. But the freedom from mm-hmm. guilt (parentheses forgiveness), the freedom from legalism, and the so many of the lists and m- metrics that mm-hmm. that were binding in the Old Testament. And I think I think many of us from our heritage struggle to embrace that freedom. And once we taste it. And, and begin to internalize it, it's a, it's a blessing. Well, you go back to David. I mean, here's a guy that was adulterous, uh, was a murderer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Psalm, several times he is debating with God, and God calls him a man after his own heart. Uh, he, he promised the world would be blessed through this imperfect guy. Uh, yet you encounter people that are saying, well, God can't forgive me for what I have done. Is it worse than David? If he could forgive David, maybe the problem is not that God hasn't forgiven you. Maybe the problem is you can't forgive yourself. Carl, you don't know it, but that is the third part of my, my <laughs> lesson, forgiving ourselves, accepting grace. And and if it's all right, I'll just jump in. Mm-hmm. We accepted grace when we began our walk with Jesus. 
when we put him on in baptism, we said out loud, yes, I'm accepting your gift of grace and forgiveness. And that is one of the most powerful tools of Satan to get us to hold on to that guilt because we think we're better than what we did or we're worried about the influence that we left or we're worried about our reputation because we did this thing. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't long ago that Eric Petty preached a sermon and finished it with peace is the product of forgiveness. When we needed justice, we received grace. And and we've already said the word, yes, I accept it. So it is so counter to that for us to harbor guilt, for us to actually reject the freedom that Carl's been talking about because we can't forgive ourselves. Carl, if it's all right, I want to quote you. We met with a member two, three years back who was talking about some things in a past life, and at the end of the conversation, Carl looked at this member and also said it for the benefit of the group. What I read in the Bible, when God forgives, it's like it never happened. Mm-hmm. It's like it never happened, and that is, the East is powerful. From the West. Yeah. That's powerful. I think two things I, I thought of is there's there's a quote I don't know who to attribute attribute it to, but. It some, goes something like, you know, you are far worse than we could have ever thought and far far more love than we could ever imagine or something like that. It's kind of like two parallels that, you know, sin is far worse than we could ever understand, but so is the love that God has for us and forgiveness. So I think that's powerful to think about that even even though, like you said, it's our sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. I think our friend David said that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then I think what's most powerful about freedom, and I've felt this in my life, is the fact that you want to share it. I mean, when you feel that and you understand that in your life, you want others to feel that too. And, I, you know, that's powerful for our church family and for each of us that once you experience that freedom, True freedom. I mean, we we there's a, a difference, I guess, in experiencing. I guess it goes back to knowing God and what that freedom really means versus uh, I'm gonna, you know, go to church and try, check off these lists and you know get baptized and all the rest, which are all uh, important things. But it's different when you go from having that checklist to I'm free and I'm loved and I'm forgiven and being able to share that with others. Well, you hear people at times say, I I can never forgive that. Mm -hmm. Or even worse, I will forgive it, but I won't forget it. Mm -hmm. Well, that that seems to be a conflict there. So if if you think about the the power uh, of the Holy Spirit, the the knowledge of God, the inspiration of the folks that, uh, that wrote the Bible, and if of everything available to them, the closest they could come to describing God is saying God is love, some of the characteristics that we attribute to him are, are just not valid. They, they just don't fit there. Now, what I think I know is that you can forgive in proportion to how much you love. I, I don't particularly have difficulty forgiving grandchildren, <laughs> uh, our our children, our our spouse. It's the further it gets away from uh, the folks that I would say this is a part of who I am, the more difficult I have forgiving. Mm-hmm. So is forgiving somehow uh, linked to 
love. Sure it is. And if you can't forgive, then you have not embraced God uh, and you have not embraced his characteristics of love. Well, yeah, Jesus says that in one of his stories that he told, you know, whoever loves much will be able to forgive much. Whoever forgives little is because he, you know, was loved little. I can't remember exactly. I think it's in Luke, but, you know, that story where Jesus shares that, like, you love much, you'll forgive much. You and, know and, you know, yeah, and, you know, jumping into these four things, if if you look at all this, you can see that transformation then doesn't become something that you have to work hard to accomplish. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you said it. It's just, it's just an automatic process of, of recognizing that I am free from con- condemnation. I have been forgiven. I can forgive others. I can forgive God. Uh, the wisdom of God is being transferred to me. Isaiah says, he was talking about Jesus, but Isaiah says that, that the Holy Spirit will give you uh, Knowledge, understanding, wisdom, uh, counsel, might, uh, and uh, the fear of God. Uh, if if you're concentrating on that, you you really just don't have a whole lot of time to be uh, bent out of shape about what somebody else has done to you. Mm-hmm. The story is the story of the sinful woman that anointed Jesus' feet in Luke 7. And, you know, she comes into this house and everyone knows who she is. You know, they label her and say, you know, this this sinful woman. And... And and probably rightly so. She probably is well known around the uh, community, if you catch my drift. And so she comes in, and that's how I heard it in a sermon one time. I mean, she was known in the community. They knew why she was a sinful woman. Um, but so she anoints Jesus' feet with oil with her hair, you know. And they're all, you know, arguing like, you know, what is she doing? Why are you letting her do this to you? And um, Jesus tells, you know, a story, you know, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver and 150 pieces, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. This is Luke 7. And verse 43, Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt is the one that loved him more after that. And Jesus said, that's right. And then he turned to the woman. It's interesting, in verse 44 in Luke chapter 7, Jesus turned to the woman, but he's looking at Simon. All right, or he said to Simon. So he's looking at this woman, but he's talking to Simon. He says, Look at this woman kneeling here. When you entered, uh, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kiss- kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, verse 47, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven because she has shown much love to me, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. So I think that's just a powerful story of forgiveness uh, and the freedom that uh, we get to experience in Christ. Going off of that story, I think we mentioned this on the previous podcast in reference to transformation, but I think there's two types of forgiveness that I've seen. Like, I think or two types of freedom that I've seen. Um, There's freedom from the, you know, the legalistic um, lifestyle and from, you know, feeling like you have to check all these boxes. And then there's freedom from a life of sin. And, you know, the the two uh, types of transformation where God, you know, changes you to a life of freedom in Him from a life of sin in the pews and feeling like you're not good enough 
And then there's the freedom from, I didn't know God, and now I've been, you know, transformed into a life of knowing God. And I'm wondering how those two separate experiences with freedom help us understand forgiveness more. Because I feel like reading this story, it's easier to understand forgiveness when you've had that elaborate experience with a lifestyle change. What struck me as you were reading the story her identity prior to this encounter with Jesus was mm-hmm. this sinful woman yep. and the reputation and all the trappings of that. But that's not the identity that he gave her. Right. Her identity exactly. is forgiven, mm-hmm. clean and whole like it never happened. Mm-hmm. And and he was preaching to his own disciples when yeah. he said that. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, that's the transformative power. Mm-hmm. But inherent in all of that, she was doing nothing but submitting to God or to to Jesus, washing his feet, kissing his feet. Those were all acts of submission. And I don't think we think of forgiveness as an act of submission mm-hmm. or accepting forgiveness mm-hmm. as an act of submission. But it is, yes, God, you are big enough. Mm-hmm. And wow. both of those are submiss- submissive acts. Mm-hmm. They require submissive posture on our part. Right. Well, some of us realistically, really don't think we've ever done anything very bad Mm -hmm. uh, because we view evil as murder or theft or something like that. Simon didn't. I mean, he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. But when you you get into that uh, list of acts of the flesh there in Galatians and and it comes up with selfish ambition, well, we almost (laughs) teach our children that. I mean, that's, that's an American staple. You and, want to take a selfie right now while we're in here? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, dissension. I mean, who hasn't created a distraction just to kind of take things away uh, uh, from themselves? Uh, and, and hatred. Uh, uh, is there anybody in your life that, that you would like retribution from? There's really, there's really some things uh, listed in there that are kind of daily parts of our life if we're not actively looking at it that I think that this scripture is saying this is evil, but you have been forgiven. If you've been forgiven, you ought to forgive others who are doing those same things to you. That's a point that I make in my, in part of what I teach. If you just Research and list all of the scriptures that mention the command to forgive. Mm-hmm. Anecdotally, I would say about half of them tie it to you forgive so you will be forgiven. And that's scripture, and I wouldn't argue with it. But I love the idea also of when I forgive, there is never a time that I look more like Jesus than when I forgive. Mm-hmm. And if, if my swing thought when I get out of bed every morning is to model Christ, and look like Jesus, mm-hmm. treat others like Jesus, you can't miss when you forgive. So, so it's almost like, to me, that we're being told, all you need to do for other people is whatever you want God to do for you. Oh, mm-hmm. boy, that's a high standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but think of others higher than yourself. Yep. And if you are spending all of your time doing for others what you'd like God to do for you, and in return, all of them are putting that back on you. You actually have more blessings than if you were just taking care of yourself because you have a much bigger audience uh, 
uh, trying to solve your problems. Mm-hmm. Can't believe how tied together it is. I mean, you're trans when you choose to forgive. I mean, you're it's a, it's a part of the transformation because it it becomes easier and easier as it you know as that becomes a, a habit as you treat others as you want your you know to be treated. Well, it begins with and remains about taking the spotlight off of me. Mm-hmm. It is not about me. It just so so what if I got wronged? So what? How does that affect the kingdom? Well, how I handle it is how it affects the kingdom. And I, I need to see that the same way God sees it. I don't need to see it in light of my hurt feelings. I need to see it the way God sees it. When I intentionally or accidentally do something that offends him, let's, let's, just, let's just look like Jesus. I mean, we have the story of Peter who, with Jesus looking at him, denied him three times. And uh, later, Jesus asked Peter three times, interesting parallel, uh, do you love me? And Jesus is saying, all you need to do to show that you love me is feed my sheep, provide what my people need, take it off yourself, provide for others, just like Jesus did. We mentioned earlier, forgiveness from God is a one-time, one-and-done, you're you're free from your sin. How do we get to that point? Because I, in my own experience, forgiveness has to be done initially, and then when you remember it the next day, and, you know, it's a, it's a process that, as humans, we go through every time we, you know, stumble across that. How do we get to the point? So, I'm not a Greek scholar, mm-hmm. but... I remember when I was in a Bible class in college, I think it's 1 John 1, if we walk in the light, the blood of Christ cleanses us. And and the guy that was teaching my class said the Greek word there implies that the blood of Christ continues to cleanse us as we walk in the light. Mm-hmm. And and if, if you're asking about the mechanism, for me, that's the mechanism, mm-hmm. the way it works. The blood continues to cleanse as we walk. And... If, if your life is based on the hope and the expectation of being forgiven by the sacrificial blood of Jesus, your past sins were forgiven, your mm-hmm. current sins are forgiven, your future sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. So forgiveness is not dependent upon uttering some kind of prayer right before you uh, have your last breath, right. which is a thought that has been presented to me in the past at yes. times. Mm-hmm. Uncomfortable. That's not a comfortable thought. What else? Any other thoughts or stories or scriptures that y'all want to share about either of your topics that you really want our church family to, to grasp? Well, I'm preaching this, I guess, to a congregation of about 1,200 people in Zambia. Hmm. Zimbabwe, I'm sorry. Uh, and when I got through, the local preacher said, I've never heard any of that before. And I think more than anything else, I understand that we're presenting some ideas maybe that they have not thought about before. And I would like for them to get into the Scripture and wrestle with what does you are free mean? And and what are these lists of uh, acts of the flesh, and, and how much of those are in me? And am I judging, or am I a fruit inspector when I look for uh, fruits of the Spirit uh, in other people's lives? And 
can I actively forgive uh, someone like Jesus forgave? Uh, I mean, he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, and in the process, can I, can I feel full uh, of the mind of God uh, to the point to where, I mean, it's a bizarre thought to think that the Holy Spirit may give you wisdom. It may give you the ability to make uh, smart decisions. And in the process, taking all of that, can it transform my life to where other people will ask me, why are you like that? The greatest sermon is not you pushing something down somebody's throat. Mm -hmm. It's them looking at something that you have and say, oh, I think I'd like to have that too. And what a better thing to share than freedom in, in Christ, freedom from all your past sins and guilt. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Say, I guess if I have a closing thought, it would be where we started, and that is for our church members who are hearing any of these lessons, as you start peeling back the layers of each one, it's remarkable how they all flow out of our personal, individual relationships with God, and uh, they are transformative, and they are freedom-producing, and and peace producing and the Holy Spirit is the player, the the delivery mechanism for these and and I, I guess the light bulb that has come on for me in the past few days is how strongly all of these do flow out of our relationship with God. Judge others the way you want God to judge you. Mm -hmm. Provide for others the way you want God to provide for you. Be God's agent in a in a difficult world, and be joyous, no matter what's going on, because you are already in heaven. You are already in eternal life. You just have a uh, physical body that is going to wear out. Well, thank you for uh, sharing about your topics on the podcast for our, for our church and for those who are listening. Uh, would uh, would you end us, uh, Scott, with uh, just a prayer for our for our church and anyone listening to receive uh, that freedom and forgiveness uh, that we have in Christ? Certainly, Father, we bow uh, before you now, together, asking you to work powerfully in each of us, um, reveal to us the way to come in contact with the freedom and the forgiveness and the transformative power that you offer the blessings that are found there. Father, take our own spotlight off of ourselves. Put, it, put our focus on uh, how you would have us represent you to this world and to talk about the, uh, as Carl mentioned, uh, teach us how to be that person that people want some of what we have because it's so attractive. Uh, Father, we bow before you. We submit to you. We pray to hear your voice clearly. Pray to have the faith to walk wherever you lead. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us as we seek to know more of God's purpose for our lives. The Life on Purpose podcast is brought to you by Skyline Church of Christ in Jackson, Tennessee. Visit SkylineChurch.com to learn more of what God is doing in our lives. Thanks for listening.